welcome to Invest Like a Girl, the podcast dedicated to helping women tap into the latest in crypto and the world of female entrepreneurs. I want to empower you to invest in your financial freedom. Doesn't matter whether you're a seasoned investor or you're just wanting to dip your toes in. We've created this podcast for you. I'm your host, Ella Maloney-Cook. Okay, well, Jason, welcome to Invest Like a Girl. Thanks, I'm glad to be here. So over three years ago, we sat down in the Gold Coast and you introduced me into the world of investing and cryptocurrency. It's been a journey. You've taught me and thousands of people the fundamentals of investing. I'm so grateful to, for you to be sharing your knowledge with our community. I'm so grateful to be able to have shared it with you all those years ago and how great you're doing now all these years later, filming from all over the world, <laughs> doing your podcast. It's great. Now, the first question we ask every guest is if you had $1,000, where would you invest it right now and why? It's always a tricky question because you never know who's listening and what their situation is and risk tolerances, which is all the stuff I went through with mm -hmm. you years ago. But if it was me, you know, my level now, a thousand bucks, knowing what I know now, honestly, I know it sounds super cheesy, but I would probably say education, mm -hmm. at least half of it into education, because a thousand is not really going to get you anywhere. Like if you found something that had a thousand X return, sure, you're going to be, you're going to do pretty well. But those are like needles within massive haystacks. So that's why I would look to go with at least half on education, if not all of it, and then start to build again from, from that point so that I knew what the hell I was doing in the first place. Otherwise, you have a thousand bucks. Well, what am I putting it in? Because I don't know what I'm doing. So, mm. you know, I, I know it's cheesy, but I, I would have to say education. No, I agree. Invest in yourself is very important. Now, for the listeners that don't know who you are and your background, how did you get into the investment space? I was very, very interested in investing from a teenager. Uh, and, and I know it sounds like I've already started from a long story because I'm a little bit older, but I wanted to get into being my own boss. So I went through the experience of, you know, you're an employee and then you go to self-employed and then you realize, oh man, self-employed sucks because you just basically have to do everything you did as an employee and now you have all the costs and you lose all your time. And so I saw uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's book and then saw The Quadrant and I'm like, okay, employee, self-employed, business owner and then investor. I'm like, I've got to get to the investor square as soon as possible. And I was very interested in property at the time and I went through all the courses and everything like that. And so that's kind of like how I started on that journey towards investing. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just kept trying and kept trying. And I'm, I'm 36 now. That was when I was 20. So 16 years later, this is where I'm at. People sort of think it happens overnight, but no, it was lots and lots of failures. And eventually, you know, you start to learn about cycles and market sentiment and charts and uh, you know, money management and risk management. And so that's where it led me to where I am right now. Who introduced you to crypto? A friend of mine actually introduced me to crypto he was banging on about it in 2016, so all that time before that previous bull market to the bull market we just had, I was trading with my brother in future on futures, um, you know, commodities in the futures market, mm -hmm. and 
you know, we had to sort of do a lot of scalping and things like that. It was just very, very small percentages, which is what traditional finance is about, small percentages, high leverage. So that's how I started. But then he was telling me about cryptos. It's like throwing money into this thing. You know, it's going to go big, got to get into it. And I'm like, these returns sound crazy. He was telling me you know, 300%, 1,000%, all these sort of returns. Like, well, did you take any profits? And he was like, no, not yet. It's still going to, it's got, it's going to go up more. It's going to go up more. So I didn't believe it. And then I waited until I think it was about January, 2017. And then I started really to kick into gear because I'd been overseas and I just came back. And um, I'm like, all right, I've got to set up all my exchanges and start buying some of this because I could see the chart and I'm like oh yeah this looks like it's probably got a good ways to run and then I started to learn about crypto from that point mm. so it's a it's a full journey it's a new world cryptocurrency it definitely is you would have learned it yourself with like the the terminology when you first start out and you're like wow there's all these weird words even just with crypto and then you're trying to learn investing and they have a whole different language and then you have like the slang in crypto and if you don't know that you're sort of like falling behind so it can feel pretty overwhelming when you first start and i think especially in this era of information overload and there's so many people being like you know this is going to go to the moon and you're like you're getting in on these hype trains and there's a lot of emotions going on at the start because it's it's quite exciting but at the same time you're you don't even understand what's really going on exactly yeah and so for people who don't fully understand crypto and digital assets can you just explain what cryptocurrency is in the simplest of terms and why you believe it was created? In its simplest terms, I mean, look, if I just look to Bitcoin and why that was created back in, uh, I, I guess it was, you could you could look to any year, but really people sort of looked around 2008 and then 2009, we had the GFC, financial markets come crashing down and there needed to be another way, uh, another way that our currency that we use is not controlled by a central authority. So in its simplest form, uh, you could say it's a, it's a decentralized currency, which is now sort of switched narratives towards an asset as like a digital gold. So basically somewhere that people can store their money, um, store their wealth, and it not get evaporated by uh, other powers. You know, you've got your government, you've got everything else like that that can basically um, inflate your your capital away so that's what it's that's what it's there for and when you're researching cryptocurrencies for someone that's new into the world of crypto people always say you know this cryptocurrency this is what i'm investing in but you need to do your own research when you're doing your own research how do you what are you fundamentally looking at what am i fundamentally looking at this is a funny one because i don't really look at any cryptocurrencies like that. And I found that out, I wouldn't say it was the hard way, but in, in 2017 for the first bull market, yeah, you sort of, you're looking at everything. And as a new investor, fundamentals are all that makes sense. It's like, you're always looking for these cause and effect type things. Or, you know, if this is what it has, therefore it should do this because the other crypto did it. You know, we, you know, it has this uh, beautiful blockchain that no one else has. And therefore, it should be the best thing ever. And so people sort of go down this rabbit hole of this is the fundamentals of the project. Therefore, it should be amazing. And the next project that does the same thing should be amazing and so on and so forth. Um, but when you go through as at least one cycle, you start to see that it's 
all pretty much smoke and mirrors. The whole game for cryptocurrencies, let's leave Bitcoin aside and maybe Ethereum and you know some stable coins and things like that. But the majority of them, there's 20,000 now, the majority of them are just smoke and mirrors built up on uh, hopes and dreams of marketing. And I personally think, and it might be a very, very different view to the vast majority of people, um, it's a waste of time, absolute waste of time to dive into a lot of these projects because they're pretty much all going to go to zero. They have massive booms and you've got to make the money on that. That's what you're looking for. And that's why I look, look towards charts. So I'm very heavily focused mm-hmm. on looking at what the smart money is doing within the chart so I can see that. Uh, as you study technical analysis, you can start to see that what the smart money is doing by buying up these projects, which they think, and it's probably the only thing I really look for is do they have pumpamentals? You look at fundamentals, but we just look at pumpamentals. Can these cryptos pump? So things that people want to see is what's in what's trending right now what uh what are the tokenomics like and essentially do these things give the project enough hype to then pump themselves because at the end of the day that's what you're here for you just want to make money right you don't really care about holding these things for the next 10 years because you think you're going to be a millionaire like the people who bought bitcoin 10 years ago that's that's nonsense so do they have pumpamentals? What is the smart money doing? The charts help with the smart money. Pumpamentals are pretty much like the only fundamental thing I would look at um, and then, you know, wait for that confirmation that the supply has um, uh, dried up and the demand is now stronger. And you'll see that in the charts. That's why I focus a lot on charts. And then I can use that knowledge that I've learned from chart reading and apply it across anything. So you're not wasting your time. I think going into all these projects is a really big waste of time. I don't like wasting time. And so if I learn how to read a chart, I can apply that knowledge to any chart in crypto, any chart in the stock market, anything that has a chart, it's the same thing. It happens over and over again because humans make up the markets. And that was a long drawn out process there, but that's that's the, the premise of how I invest. Mm. And something that you speak about a lot on your channel is around the fear and greed index. You've Can been watching you the videos. Nice. How that- <laughs> of course, I watch your videos. I read your newsletters. I'm your number one supporter. Oh, amazing. Yeah, good, good. Um, <laughs> Can you explain how the fear and greed index works and like why you use that in your investing? Sure. Uh, the fear and greed came about in May of 2021. That was when we had that first big crash in crypto. Um, you know, through this bull market. And I thought there has to be an easy way for new investors to be able to just buy when the market is at its most fearful. You, you would have heard the, the old saying that always gets thrown around in the bear markets, but not in the bull markets. The old uh, Warren, Warren Buffett saying of be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And so you have this fear and greed index that tells you when everything is extremely fearful. And so this is the time to be greedy, which means buy. And then the other times when everyone is extremely greedy and you can see it just everywhere, you know, people making rap videos about stupid coins, which have nothing to do with anything and uh, just going absolutely mental at other people on on, uh, Twitter or YouTube about selling particular projects, which is what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to take profits. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, we're coming back to the point of the fear and greed index. It came from that. And I just thought, what's an easy way that just even the most basic thing, if I talk about it a couple of times and people watch it, they can then go away and take that and use it. 
And that's why I thought the fear and greed is easy. I went through and just had a, a brief look at a, um, a reading on that index that showed up at really significant lows. And I found that the, the reading of 15 or under, so you, you know, the fear and greed is uh, just this index that basically rates what, what this market sentiment is like. And it takes, uh, I, I think it sort of covers a lot of the tweets that are out there in social media um, because that's a lot uh, where, where crypto is a lot um, uh, discussed a lot, I should say. And it basically scans like all of the words that are used to get an understanding of what people are feeling and saying and doing. And there's plenty of other metrics to it. But when you get this reading on the index of 15 or under, it goes from zero to 100. I found that you get some pretty good times to be buying. So you, you do need to have a plan to sell as well. But my, my focus was just about buying because people always ask, when should I buy? And they always ask, when should I buy? When the market is at its peak, that's what I found so much last year, which was my really big year, 2021, being on YouTube with crypto because it was a bull market. Of course, everyone comes to the, to, the, to the game and they all ask, should I be buying this now? And all you see is a chart that's gone straight up. It's already done 100x. Uh, the greed is huge. And they're like, should I buy this now? It's like, no, just stick to the f like fear and greed. It's so, so easy. Mm -hmm. It even just like spits out a, um, a signal for you. If it's at 15 or under, it's going to be a better time. And it doesn't tell you that it's the low, but it's a way, way better time than, you know, 90% of the other time in the market. And it's only there just to, just to help you reduce the risk of buying the peak. You know, it doesn't always pick, it never picks up the exact low. It's just around significant lows. Yeah. And currently as we're recording this podcast, not just in crypto, but across all equity markets, we're seeing a lot of fear globally. What is your take on what we're seeing right now? My take is that we are experiencing a fantastic time to be entering the market if you missed out on 2020. I'm sure you've heard me say that plenty of times before and I've banged on about the 18.6 year cycle. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know about all that. So it's, it's a really good time. I know it's pretty much opposite to what a lot of people are saying, wait for this crash, the world's coming to an end, uh, you know, has to implode because of the macro, this, that, the other, the Fed, the interest rates, the the war, the supply chains, the, you know, like just insert whatever you've heard, all of it, even if you don't think I've said it, insert all of it there. Um, markets climb this is a really, really simple one. I always love to bring things back to super simple. Markets climb a wall of worry. You've heard me say that one before as well. Like people know this from decades of experience, but new people haven't seen it. So a lot of new people come to the market because of cryptocurrency and all these big gains. Bull markets climb a wall of worry. And all we've seen is worry after worry after worry after worry. And what do the markets keep doing? Well, they go up and go up, go up. They correct. They have to correct. Correct is very, very natural. And then they go up and they go up and they go up. And then when you get to peaks, no one is really worried anymore at, at extreme peaks of the market. That's when you have to get scared. When there's like no more fear, that's when you get extremely fearful and you go, I don't care if I miss the top. I don't need the exact top. I've made a ton of money on the way up while everyone else has been fearful. And then I need to get out. So that's why I'm looking at now is another one of those fantastic opportunities if we missed 2020 lows 
Um, and you have to be patient. You're not going to be rich next week or next month or probably not even next year. I think you still need a few more years. But this is like one of those opportunities to be buying the fear when everyone else thinks the world is coming to an end. A hundred percent agree. You know, cryptocurrency is still so new and everyone is still learning about it as a collective because we're, you know, we've seen what's happened with Luna. That's, you know, yeah. that was like, I was like, what is going on? It was, it was a lot to, of emotions, I think, for everyone in the space to kind of deal with that because it kind of came blindsided. But if you stick to what your investment strategy is long term and you have that and you associate with what your risk tolerance is, I think you'll be fine long term as long as you're smart in educating yourself at the start. And I think when I got into investing, you know, I really relied on you at the start and you were like, okay, you know, I'm going to leave you now and you got to like go and learn yourself. <laughs> and then I remember I started, you know, researching and I was like, the first, I was on independent reserve at the start and I couldn't tell if I was up or down. I remember you calling me and being like, dude, like you're up heaps of money. And I was like, am I? I have no idea. So then I started, once I realized I made a fair bit of money, I was like, I need to understand more about this. Yeah. I think you're, you've hit a good point there because people tend to only take interest once they've started to make money. Mm. And a lot of people come in late to the market. You were actually looking to invest at a, at a good time. I think it was like 2019. It was definitely when the markets were, were still just churning around at their lows. I'm pretty sure it was like just before the COVID bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. COVID bubble was like 2020. Yeah. The peak and then the dump, but you were researching it and looking at it and, you know, connected through other friends. And, you know, that was a really, really good time because the markets, the stock market was okay. It was going up, but crypto was just churning around at these lows. Mm. And I was like, the returns are going to be massive. And you got into it really, really early and you weren't scared about uh, the market, like not going up. It was just, I'm going to start, I'm going to research, I'm going to, you know, just give this thing a crack. And then you start to see the gains and you get more interested. Mm. For a lot of people, they come in at the wrong time and they come in at the peaks and then they're sort of interested because their portfolios are going up a, you know, a fair amount, but they don't have that, um, that time or their experience or that patience to, to go and learn a bit more and realize that they do need to take some profits because people like you and me were buying at the lows and we're up mm. heaps now and we can, we can sell with, with really good gains. So I think it's a really good point to, to understand is um, you know, take on board what you've learned continue to educate yourself no matter what. And I still do that too, you know, all these years later, I'm still learning, you know, I could have sold more Bitcoin, I could have sold more ETH and I'm learning along along the way. Yeah. And I think that when it comes back to when I first started, it wasn't just cryptocurrency because I remember you introduced me to it and I was like, oh, look, like I don't really understand it, but let's just create a portfolio with a bit of stocks, a bit of crypto mm -hmm. and a bit of silver. And I remember that once I started just educating myself and understanding the language, it became a community and it came to something that I actually believed in that was bigger than myself, which is stocks I couldn't really get into. Yeah, it does bring on board that whole community feel. Um, I want to I want to say that like that that has been a positive effect on on your life, but 
it can be a very, very negative effect on a lot of people. And you can probably see that now that if you get into this community thing, you feel a part of something and then you've put all your money into it because you're a part of something, like you're a part of this family, as much as people don't want to think they are, but that's what they've created for themselves. Market goes up, great, I'm making money with my family or my, my friends, my buddies, having fun. And then all of a sudden it tanks 80%. And like you said, with Luna and, and uh, uh, Terra Luna and UST, and then all of a sudden it's, it's worth zero. So what happened to that community? Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it is investing. And um, you did make the point earlier as well that it's, it's in, in terms of investing, you still need to understand what it is you're doing with your risk tolerance, even though you are having fun with your buddies at the peak of market cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, that risk tolerance is a, is a huge one. Definitely. And I think with myself, I have a really weird mindset <laughs> that oh. you're actually, this is... I haven't even told you this yet, but oh. I had all of my Ethereum in Celsius. Uh-oh. Yeah. If, if people are listening and they don't know what's going on there, Celsius basically paused all withdrawal. So any money that's stuck in there is possibly going to continue to be stuck in there, maybe never see it again. So it's stuck in there now? Yeah, it's stuck in there now. And it's my own fault because for weeks and I just got distracted. I was meant to put it on my ledger, do the right thing. And I was like, the app, the Celsius app was like one of those apps that was a little bit annoying to get into. And so as I was traveling. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I got out of it. I couldn't, I couldn't stand using this app. This is a really good point for everyone listening. Shit that just doesn't, it didn't seem like it worked properly. Sorry, go on with your story. The getting in and out of that thing was a pain in the ass. And I got, I stopped using, I used it for a couple of months and I just couldn't use it anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I've, I've lost, you know, a big portion of my portfolio pretty much. And I, you know, I only found this out 48 hours ago and I remember sitting there and going, holy shit you know, this is, this is huge. Like I wasn't really fully grasping at the start. And then as I looked into it, I was like, wow, they're pretty much going to go to bankruptcy. Um, but I always said to myself, I always put in the money that I'm willing to lose. And unfortunately that's been a hard lesson that I've learned. Um, (laughs) but like, is that now that you've felt that, is that actually an amount of money that you felt like you were happy to lose or not happy, but you could eventually stomach losing? I believe in myself and I believe in like everything that I've learned, I'll be able to make it back. It is a large part of my portfolio, my Ethereum bag. So yeah, yeah, I nearly cried. But at the same time, I came back to it and I was like, all of this like anxiety came over me. But then I thought the next day I was like, I can let this anxiety take over me and be like, you know, you know, get angry, but what's the point in that? Like, let's move on. Let's Mm -hmm. move forward. This is an amazing opportunity. I've actually, you inspired me to help my mum set up her self-managed super fund. So she's going to be buying in at an all-time low and she's so excited about that. So excellent. you can look at the negatives or you can flip (laughs) it around, you know? Exactly. Well, you can't do anything else because otherwise you're basically paralyzed. Yeah. And, and investing, what also, that's a good point you bring up. Again, very good points. I'm loving the uh, Invest Like a Girl podcast. <laughs> the, I, when I started investing, I thought um, you have to, well, trading is what, what triggered it because I was trading uh, a few years after I got into property. And to trade, to invest, you have no one else to blame except yourself. Exactly what you just said there. You can only blame yourself. And investing is a journey of uh, like personal development. And so getting into investing as 
a full-time job. It's like of what I saw straight away. I'm like, I can do personal development and I can make a ton of money. That's like, what else do you need in life? Obviously, I can look after my health and that's, you know, and I both love looking after our health with our diets and exercise and enjoying life. But, you know, personal development and investing go hand in hand because you, you can only blame yourself. And if you want to blame others, then you're going to keep repeating the same problems. Yeah. And I think that's the whole reason why I created this podcast, because this whole investment journey has been this, you know, self-discovery of what I want my financial future to look like, but also, you know, the mindset that you need to have to be able to handle the cryptocurrency market, because it's not easy. Like it hasn't been like, Mm. oh, it's just been like a bull market. And, you know, it's all, you know, as people say, it's, it's, it's pretty intense. Like one minute you're up, one minute you're down, the next minute something's going to zero. But if you have that strategy and you know what you want to achieve, it makes it easier to keep going and, it, you know, you don't let the anxiety or the fear overwhelm you. Yes, exactly. You were talking about goals earlier as well, like when you start out. And I, always, I figure that's potentially a difficult one for people when they start out. Um, so I know it's your podcast, but I was going to spin the question back on you. Cause I think it's a really, really good sort of beginner question is how did you create goals in the beginning when you didn't really know what you were doing? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me, my goal was just to understand enough. So I felt comfortable to start investing. That was my, my goal at the start. And that's why I reached out to you. But not only for that is I want to be able to help women be able to get into the investment space. And I think that's kind of what's pushed me forward, like having my mum not really have invested ever. I've realised that it's a lot harder for women because it is a men's dominant industry. I, I mean, look, my analytics, say for YouTube or any, any of my socials, is 95% men and 5% women. In the bull market, it was kind of closer to 10% women, but in the bear market, like more women left um, and more, more guys took over. It's, you're saying it's men dominant, but uh, everything I do is digital and online. Um, is it, h- how is it that women struggle in this space or at least, f- you know, f- getting involved in it and finding it enjoyable? If I'm honest with you, I think it's intimidation and not understanding the language. So therefore not having the confidence to ask questions. I think I'm a pretty confident person. So when I came up to you, you I was are, like, yeah. yo, I want to do this. Like, this is how much money I have. Like, what do I need to do? I just want to do it and experience it. Whereas I think as a lot of other women are like, you know, they get wrapped up with like analysis paralysis and they can't analysis. actually make a decision because they're so unsure. I mean, that I hear what you're saying, but it's not exclusive to women either. Like, a lot of the guys I see do that as well. They, they, and it's to the other extreme with guys. So maybe it's a good one for all the girls, the women listening. The guys do it, but they just go down this path of like heavy into the science of things. And so they analyze, they paralyze themselves with all of this analysis to then think that they are the smartest of all, all beings and they really don't know shit. Mm. And they make things way over complicated than they need to be. And then if you like myself I come and try and make things super simple because it's so much easier to invest or do anything when when you've broken some um you know rules down made it simple then they just try and say well you're 
rules are too simple. Like you don't know mm. what you're talking about. Mm. I'm like, no, the results speak for themselves. So maybe it's just a call out to, to women as well. Like the guys do it, but they do it at the other extreme of um, going way too scientific into certain investments, way too much analysis, overanalyzing shit, coming up with all these sorts of plans that don't really do anything and, and, and make any sense just to seem like they're smart. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But I think coming back to your question, I also do think in cryptocurrency, because it is so complex and it's quite confusing that women are, are automatically just turned off it because there's nothing out there that's simple enough for them to really digest the information. That's what I believe. Breaking it down. Yeah. Like how many women channels have you seen out there? There's not many. There's a few because I've been researching. Yeah. There's not, there's, of course, there's not many at all. Um, I, I mean, the women that I've seen that do very well at it, uh, I've got some trader friends who are specifically into trading and, and they might be a bit more analytically minded like that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that helps them a lot and, and they're able to sort of sift through the, the BS. But I guess a lot of the projects are very, uh, you know, directed at, at guys because, you know, guys like to take the risk as well. And I think women are less risk adverse. Yeah. So that can be in the favor of women as well to be le- less risk adverse because you will take profits, unlike a lot of these other morons, yeah. um, men or women that just get caught up in the emotion of things and then, you know, just don't take profits and they watch their profits erode all the way back down to zero. Mm, definitely. And actually, while we're on this, you know, at the moment, there's so many crypto gurus out there and there's a lot of mm. you know, scamming and kind of just hype or you're one of the only channels that I listen to. There's a, only probably a handful that I listen to that I go, okay, that's realistic. That's not this like hype train in where you just kind of get overwhelmed and then you end up making an impulse decision. But is there any other information that you trust or resources that you'd recommend for people? Resources. Um, I think once you've found, like you've said, a couple of resources that work really well for you, maybe that's YouTube channels, maybe that's podcasts, maybe that's particular Twitter accounts, mm. um, then I would pretty much look to scrap everything else. And I've talked, I've mentioned that a few times to people. I'm like, you know, if my stuff doesn't suit anymore, obviously scrap it. But that's the best thing to do is you can have so much information. Again, it's overwhelming. And then you kind of have to just look at what is actually helping me in my endeavor and in my journey to get to my goals. And I think it's better off scrapping a lot. And I do that all the time on my my socials. I'm like, I don't, what do I need to see? hundreds of Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts. Like I only need a handful if that. And at the moment, I don't even look at that. You know, I'm just looking at my own channel and like you said, a couple of, a handful of others. Hmm. No, for sure. And so with your investment strategy at the moment, because I know you kind of have a few that you kind of have, what is that and what is that looking like in this current market? Uh, well, I guess my investment strategy is always, buy low, sell high. Or if it's if it's altcoins, crypto, I'm looking at buy high, sell higher because that's I'm, I'm trading them on momentum, mm-hmm. not this whole buy low, sell high thing. It's, you know, wait to see that. Um, are, you, are you more looking at, say, what it is that I'm doing for my portfolio, like where I'm looking to invest? Well, I know you've got different kind of portfolios that you kind of have in your... 
Oh, right. So I've got like, no, I, I was pretty much heavy in crypto and then I started to sell out last year. Well, I, got, I get rid of my old coins. That's the first thing. I scrap them all because I know they're all going to go down 30, or 30, 90 odd percent. Yeah. So with those profits, with profits I made on other things, but profits I made from business, then I was getting into real estate. So, um, you know, this year market was if finally the the steam came out of the market and I'm like, that's a good time. So I went out and searched for some property. So just balancing out the portfolio with uh, with land. Well, you know, land, I say land, but essentially it's, people would just call it real estate property. Um, but the main thing that goes up in value is the land. So that's pretty much all I'm looking at now. Like crypto is the, the vehicle to, oh, I'll do quote unquote fast gains. And real estate is what I use to hold those gains longer term to, you know, just, just hold that wealth. Even though real estate goes up and down, mm-hmm. it doesn't fluctuate like crypto does. So one vehicle is for the gains because it's I find it much easier to trade. It's liquid. And then the other vehicle is to preserve the wealth. That's it. Yeah. And so do you still have your self-managed super fund entity? I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep that separate as well. And I'll do the same thing with that, but I'm just looking at a longer term horizon. And with the self-managed super fund, um, you know, if the podcast is international, then you could, you look at it in terms of um, a retirement fund for the American guys, you know, the IRAs and the British guys, they have another one. I can't remember what it's called, but essentially that is all in crypto and cash. I've got some cash with the Mm -hmm. self-managed super fund. And then next peak, I'll just sell all of it. I'll probably hold it in cash because I think real estate will eventually um, tumble over probably you know five three to three to five years from now, and wait for that cycle to you know come to a bottom again, and then I'll probably throw some in in uh, in real estate. Yeah, that's for my my self managed super fund. Yeah, yeah, and I love what you say. You always mention time on the podcast, and you're like the biggest you know, kind of thing that you tolerate with is timing the market and the cycle. So yeah. do you think, like, are you now looking to start getting back into altcoins because you sold out last year or you just, no? No, not altcoins because Bitcoin still needs to show us that it's had a low. It needs to show that the supply has dried up meaning that we, we should stop seeing a lot of selling. And then it needs to show us that we're ready to start a new bull market. And then Bitcoin, generally what we've seen in the past, pretty much every single cycle previously, is that Bitcoin has to start the bull market and get into a nice bull market stage. And then you start to see people gambling on altcoins because they're too high risk. So right now you could be buying Bitcoin at 20K and you've got the potential to make, you know, it could go to 100K, 150, 80K, whatever. There's still some good multiples there. So you can take a less risk in Bitcoin than altcoins and then make pretty good returns. And altcoins are just still too risky. And I still think a lot of them are too high. They haven't come down that sort of 90, 95%. We haven't seen any sort of volumes come in. Mm. And on top of that, with altcoins, uh, you just never know which ones are going to make it in the next cycle because they've had their time in the in the sun, in the spotlight, and from previous cycles, we we don't you rarely see a crypto come back the next cycle. There's the handful of them, of course, but you know if you want to try and pick that handful of them in amongst the twenty thousand that are out there now, you know, good luck. 
It can be done. It can be done, but good luck. Yeah, understood. Now, we've covered a lot today, so I'm going to leave in the show notes your YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and I highly recommend all the females out there subscribing to your newsletter because that does come out weekly. Is there anything else that I haven't included? No, I think you covered everything there. That's uh, that's good. Yeah, the newsletter's at this stage fortnightly, so once every two weeks. We're trying to get it to a weekly stage. But um, yeah, that like you said, that's a really good one. It's free and we talk about crypto, stocks, real estate, and then you know just our, our thoughts in there as well. Um, but yeah, no, you covered everything. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jason, and have an amazing Europe summer. Thank you. You too, Elle. I'll see you over there. See you there. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to follow us on the gram at investlikeagirl.io. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not financial advice. This podcast does not take into account your personal situation. Please seek a financial advisor. Talk to you soon and see you in the next episode.